Virtual reality-based technology is a new but rapidly growing area in medicine, which will certainly revolutionize healthcare in the foreseeable future. How are rehabilitation institutions incorporating virtual reality into their treatment programs? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Joel Stein, Associate Professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, Harvard Medical School, and the Chief Medical Officer at the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Welcome, Dr. Stein. Thank you. Today we are discussing robotics and virtual reality treatment after stroke. Dr. Stein, how can we use robotics and virtual reality for patients who have had strokes? Well, both technologies share certain important elements in terms of their value with stroke survivors. They both are used primarily as means to assist with exercise. Why is exercise so important? Exercise is the basic fundamental treatment that we have for weakness after stroke. And the way in which exercise is is believed to work is that it actually enhances cortical plasticity in in the brain and facilitates restoration of some degree of motor control. So in other words, exercise is one of the primary goals for these patients to reestablish their neural connectivity? Precisely. It really is our primary treatment at this point for hemiparesis after, after stroke. The question is not whether exercise is needed, but what's the best way to provide it and how best to both support and stimulate people to do those exercises. And how does robotics and virtual reality fit in? The way in which robotics is is commonly used in this area is as a means of helping people complete the movements. These are individuals who have weakness, have trouble moving their arm or their leg, depending, and the robot really functions in some ways as a mechanical therapist. It helps them finish the movement that they're trying to make, uh, or it may uh, run them through a set of preset movements that uh, have been programmed in, but the goal is really to help them through this set of exercises so that they'll enhance their motor control in the end. Well, not to be the devil's advocate, but you mentioned mechanical therapists. Why not just have the human therapist? It's a great question. It's a question I myself ask. There's several good reasons why robots have advantages over humans in this regard. I think that the first thing to point out is, of course, that there's no likelihood that they'll replace people in this role. Really, we're talking about a complementary uh, approach, something on top of human therapy. But what robots are very good at are providing exercises in a reliable, consistent, and reproducible fashion. And they don't get tired. While there are obviously costs associated with the capital expenditures to purchase and, and you know have robots, there's actually a labor saving, potentially, by having machines do exercises with people rather than having a therapist do them. So you can imagine a, an individual therapist having a couple of patients under their care, each one working with a different robotic device, and able to circulate between them and make sure that they're doing well with their exercises. So there's a huge potential to enhance our productivity in the rehabilitation arena. Are robotics used at all throughout the country in terms of the physical therapist for stroke? They're really just coming into clinical use now. There are, of course, some simpler devices. I wouldn't characterize them as robotics, but electromechanical devices that I think provide sort of a glimpse of the the future or or sort of a way of getting from the, the present to the future. 
One example is actually from the orthopedic arena, which is a, a continuous passive motion machine, which patients commonly use after knee replacements. And you can see patients who've had knee replacements really doing very well with these simple devices. They're not robotics in the sense that they're not really programmable and they're not uh, intelligent in any, in any sense. But they are kind of a, a very simple example of the type of exercise that you could do with a device. In the stroke arena, there are some devices that are being used for the upper extremity and being used in a number of centers, mostly in, in research context, but starting to come into clinical use as well. And to a lesser extent, there are some leg robots that are being used for stroke survivors. Is the ability to program these devices, in other words, what makes it by definition a robotic device, that important? Well, it's important to be able to design it in such a way that it can do the exercises that you want it to. And since we may have different exercises for different individuals, or the exercises may change for a given person as they improve, I think the programmable feature is important. That said, there are other means of control, such as uh, wearable devices like the, um, the Myomo device, which is a, a wearable powered brace that's controlled by the patient themselves and, and the electrical activity in their muscles rather than programmed by an external user. Are the physical therapists being trained in robotics at this point? In our institution, they are. We have actually robots that we're using for clinical purposes with staff therapists uh, using them as part of their program. I think that that's something you're seeing now in some of the larger rehabilitation hospitals, but I think over time that'll become more the norm in therapy. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. Joel Stein, associate professor in the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation, Harvard Medical School, and the chief medical officer at the Spalding Rehabilitation Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. We are discussing robotics and virtual reality treatment after stroke. Dr. Stein, what about virtual reality? How does that fit in to treatment of stroke victims? Virtual reality is a means of presenting a patient with an artificial environment, usually a visual environment, that they can practice movements in in a safe way and improve their performance of them through practice and often through feedback that's either visual or sometimes tactile. I kind of lost you on that. Could, how, how would you present this virtual reality to these patients? One system would be a, a visual display that incorporates the patient actually into the display. There's a commercial system known as the IREC system where an individual stands in front of a camera that's connected to a computer, and they're shown a large screen display of themselves moving in a virtual environment. So they might catch a, a ball on the screen, even though there's, there's no physical ball there, and, and throw it. Um, it's a way of practicing movements with enhanced visual feedback. Well, how, do, how does that benefit the patient? There are several ways in which that can, uh, can help. One way is it makes the therapy more interesting to the patient. One example of this is a device that I've been involved with some, some work on that's an ankle training device called the Rutgers Ankle. It's, it's an experimental device, but a, quite an interesting one. And the individual moves their ankle up and down and side to side to control a flight simulator. They fly a little airplane, and there are targets they have to hit and gates they have to get through. And it's a video game. It's a lot of fun for the individual using it, and it keeps them engaged in the exercise. Imagine sitting in a chair and just being told to do ankle exercises for an hour. Uh, most people would get bored in five minutes. 
But if you were playing a video game and trying to fly an airplane, you, you could play it for an hour and enjoy it. Is it primarily for motivational purposes? The motivational piece is important. There are also ways of giving feedback. So let's say there's a system where you're trying to show someone how to reach a target and they're, they're not meeting the target, they're moving in the wrong direction. You can show them on the screen the intended movement and they can try and match that. It's a way of giving them feedback on their performance. I will point out that virtual reality systems have also been combined with robotic systems so that you can present a visual display but also help the patient with the movement or give them tactile feedback. You can, uh, they can essentially feel how they're doing as well as see how they're doing. And how have the patients felt about this? Generally, they've been quite pleased. I think that we live in a very technologically literate society. People are accustomed to the idea of working with machines and computers, and they find it engrossing and, I think, supportive. The fact that the machines don't get tired, that you can repeat the same activity over and over again, allows the patient to achieve a sense of mastery. They're doing this till they're able to do it well, and a therapist, a human therapist, may want to move on to some other activity, but the robot will, will stay with them as long as they want to stay with, the, stay with the activity. Now, which patients would you select for this type of treatment? It's potentially applicable to a, a broad range of patients, depending on this particular system and depending on, on their needs. I do think that the robotic systems have a particular use for people who are on the more severely weak end of the spectrum because they have trouble completing the movements on their own. Since the robot is able to assist them with those movements, it makes it more feasible for them to do the exercises. And what about the virtual reality treatment? The virtual reality treatment, I think, has certainly been very appealing for pediatric patients. I don't treat children myself, but I think that those that do have really sought to find ways to keep the children engaged in treatment, and virtual reality has been a very effective way of doing that. I will say in the adult population, again, a broad range of individuals that you really want to help stay engaged with therapy, maybe people who you're worried about their compliance with exercise. It's a good way of really making it much more enjoyable for them. Now, would you say that robotics and virtual reality treatment are clearly experimental at this point, or is this becoming used more and more by clinicians in your field? I think they're emerging technologies. They are in use in some centers clinically. We do have both virtual reality and robotic systems in use clinically, as well as in research protocols at our center, and I think they've been well accepted by patients and therapists. We're really on the cusp of a transition between pure research environment to a predominantly clinical environment, and I'd say right now we're sort of in a 50-50 split. And what about your clinical results in using robotics and virtual reality? What have you seen? We've seen significant improvements in, in motor function, both in the arm, in some of the robotic work that we've done, as well as in the, the foot and in walking with some of the combined virtual reality and robotic work we've done. These are meaningful to the patient and certainly noticeable. They're certainly not a cure, but I think that they are encouraging and certainly in line with what we see with other exercise therapies. Do the patients think that they're improving as well? They're very much aware of their improvement and, and pleased to see it. Our patient acceptance of these non-invasive technologies has been very favorable. Now, if you could put yourself in the future... Do you think that robotics and virtual reality will become the mainstay of treatment for patients after stroke? I think that we have a ways to go before these technologies become the kind of primary treatment. I think that's, that's a distant goal. I think much, what's much more likely over the next five or ten years would be that they would be a component of many patients' treatments. 
I would hope that some of these technologies could be brought into the home environment as a means of having patients practice the exercises that they've learned with the therapists. I certainly don't see them replacing human therapists, but I do see them as a, a wonderful tool for therapists to use to essentially enhance their, their productivity and expand the amount of therapy time that patients get. And are the therapists excited about it? Yes, the, the ones that have been involved in our projects have been very excited about it and I think very supportive of the idea of leveraging the efficiencies of technology to be able to deliver more care and more treatment to their patients. I want to thank Dr. Joel Stein, who has been our guest. We have been discussing robotics and virtual reality treatment after stroke. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.